Like you're gonna win it in the first half. 
But then the second half starts, and sometimes the teams let off the gas, and they end up losing the game. But God told, told me to tell you and to tell us that we need to have faith for the second half. Don't take your foot off the gas. Keep on believing. Because God, had, we have believed God for certain things at the beginning of the year, but they have not all manifested themselves in the middle of the year. So he is telling us, and he's telling me to tell you to tell all of us, you need to have faith for the second half. Amen. Now there was a young girl who was unaccustomed to traveling by herself. She was taking a train ride through the country and it happened that in the course of the day her train had to cross two branches of a river and several wide streams. Now the water scene in advance always awakened doubts and fears in the child. She had a hard time understanding how the train could safely cross the water. But as they drew near to the river, to a river, to the first river, a bridge appeared and furnished a way over. Two or three times the experience was repeated and finally the child leaned back, leaned back with a long breath of relief and confidence. Somebody has put bridges for us all the way. Somebody has put bridges for us all the way. She said in trusting confidence. And she said that in trusting confidence. Well, I want to tell you that as a believer, somebody has put a bridge over your troubled water all the way through your life. And that somebody is God. Amen. So don't you fear there's a bridge. <laughs> They're waiting on you to cross. We fear so many evils, so many troubles, and look, and it looks dark ahead. So many difficulties that seem insurmountable as they loom before us. But as we advance, we find that there is a way through them. God has built bridges for you all the way. God has built bridges for you all the way. Hmm. All the way. So I said all that to say this. You can have faith for the second half. Even though you don't see it, don't know how he's going to put it there, or even if it is there, all you know is keep believing God. Hallelujah. So we go on to a familiar passage of scripture, which is the great faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. We will start there. The letter to the Hebrews does not identify its author. Therefore, there has been much speculation as to their identity. Some say it was Paul. Some say Luke. Some say Barnabas. Some say Apollos. Some say Timothy. Some say Sylvanus, and there are many others that some say. The important thing is not to know who the writer is. The important thing is to know who the author is. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's the most important thing. The author is God, who inspired a writer to write this epistle. Amen. Yes, sir. 
Now, Hebrews is often considered one of the most difficult books in the New Testament to interpret, second only to Revelation. That's because Hebrew is, a very, is very dependent on the Old Testament for much of what the author has to say to Jewish Christians because you've got to remember that every author, every writer has a special, specific audience whom they were trying to reach. And in this case, it was Jewish Christians. Now, that's important to point out because Jews knew the Old Testament. They knew the law. So he had to write it or they had to write it in such a way that they could understand it because as I always say, it wasn't written to us. It was written for us. Amen? Now, these Jewish Christians were considering bailing out on their Christian commitment and returning to Judaism because of the persecution or the struggle that they were going through. We always want to go back to what we are comfortable with. What's familiar? What makes us comfortable? So this writer was saying, no, you stick with Jesus because he is worth it. How many of you know that he's worth it? Hmm? Don't turn back. Jesus is worth the trouble. So look at verse 1 in chapter 11. It says this. Now faith is the what? Of what? Things with an S hoped for. And what? The evidence of For by it, by what? Faith. The elders obtained a what? Good report. Verse number three says, Through faith, we understand that the world were framed by the what? Word of God. Word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse four says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent what? Than who? By which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. And guess who testified of his righteousness? God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, it yet speaks. What does God say about your faith? What does God say about your faith? <laughs> A little something to think about. But what does your faith say? Not only what God will say about your faith, but what does your faith say about you? Miss Cooper, mind us in By faith, Enoch was translated or taken up to heaven that he should not even see death and was not found because God had translated or took him. For, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he did what? Please God. This testimony that he did what? Please God. So how did he please God? Verse number six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So Enoch had faith and it pleased God. And he pleased God so much that God just translated him from earth to heaven. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? Rewarder. A rewarder of them that do what? How does he reward you because of your faith, just like he did Enoch? Though he translated Enoch with a with a walk that just took him straight on up, he translated us as believers through the vehicle of death. And he rewards our faith in, with, in, in eternity with him. Amen. All right? Now, here the author is not providing a definition but a description of how faith works. Faith is the confidence, confident assurance or reality of what we hope for and the proof of things we cannot see. Now, we have learned in Kingdom Living Discipleship class that faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Faith is acting like it so even when it's when it is not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God says so. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. Faith is belief trust or confidence in someone or something. It is the opposite of sight. Amen? Late civil rights activist Stanley Lou Hammer said, you can pray until you faint. <laughs> but until you try to do something, God is not going to put it in your lap. Faith always involves your feet. Amen? And if you how you want how you know why you say that? If you keep reading through the chapter, every by faith is telling us that those who acted by faith did something in their faith or in their feet. By faith Noah. By faith Abraham. By faith Rahab. By faith Jacob. By faith Isaac. By faith by faith Joseph. They all they. Faith, their faith was active. They did something on their feet. In other words, God gave them a word and they believed it even though they didn't know the bridge that they would cross over. Faith is an action in your life, not merely words from your lips. Mm. Faith is an action of your life, not merely words from your lips. You can feel like you lack faith, but still be full of faith if you choose to obey God despite your feelings. Hmm? I'm going to say that again. You can feel like you lack faith, but you can still be full of faith if you choose to obey God. Don't base your faith on your feelings. That's what that's saying, really. Base your faith in your obedience to God. Hallelujah. Faith is like love. It's a noun and it's a verb. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's go deeper. The question is, where do you get faith from? I'm glad you asked. We all get blessed with a measure of but in order to increase our faith, we have to learn some other things. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 10. 
Verse 14. Starting with verse 14. It says this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they or how can they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Which means not those that just went. That's not in there. I'll put that in there. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who hath believed our report? So verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by what? And hearing by the what? Word of God. So then faith comes by what? And then hearing comes by the what? The word of God. Now the epistle of Romans has the theme of faith. Romans 1, 16, 17, you have to go there, says this. In New King James, unless you want to, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now in Romans 10, 17, Paul addresses faith that is produced in the heart. And it says this again. So then faith, another translation says, comes from him. That is hearing the goodness of Christ. Amen. Now, remember one of the definitions of faith is belief, trust, or confidence in someone or something. In other words, your faith is only as good as its object. Mm -hmm. We put our faith in everything a lot of times except for God. We put our faith in this one and that one. We put our faith in this magazine and that talk show. We put God on the last of the list when he should be first. Because the Bible tells us, seek ye first the, what? the kingdom of God. And everything else will what? Be added. Right? Amen. Now if faith comes by hearing, let's go a little bit deeper, then what does Paul mean by hearing? In this context, it is simply it is not simply the physical receiving of sounds by the ear as most of us would understand the term. Hearing seems to designate something more. It means also receiving and the acceptance of the report. When you hear the word of God, you receive the word of God, then you accept the word of God, then you put it in what? The word of God. Paul quotes Isaiah 53, 1, the Lord, Lord who hath believed our report. See, in Isaiah's day, the Lord had provided Israel with a message, but the proper prophet laments that few actually received that message. Sounds like a lot of us today, don't it? Hmm. One of the things COVID did was People not realizing their need for God. But how do you know? Many of those who attended church don't come back to church. Hmm. 
But they can go every place else. They can go to work. They can go on vacation. But they can't seem to make themselves come back to church. Obviously, they did not believe the report of the Lord. Because the Bible says that in the end, Jesus is coming back for his church and that there would be a separation. And if you don't come back or if you don't make yourself a part of God's, God's plan again, if you stepped away from it, when he comes back, he's not coming back for you. People have stopped believing that they have a need for God, his word, and even his church. Hmm. Now, the hearing was not attached to simple sounds, but to a message or report given. The nature of the gospel is a report, a report of God saving people from the wrath that they deserve. In order to believe the report, you need to receive the report and then accept the report. It's not enough just to hear the report. You have to hear the report. He that has an ear, let him what? Hear. What, what the Spirit is saying to the church. I'll just start reading the book of Revelation this week. So you got to forgive me. I may reference it every now and then. Amen. Hearing is more than just hearing. Hearing is receiving it. Then accepting it. And then putting it into action. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And what? Hearing by what? The word of God. And the report has been written down for us. From Genesis to Revelation. This is the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. So what do you do while you're waiting on the, in the second half in faith, all right? One thing you have to remember is this. God is omnipresent, which means he is right here with you. Hallelujah. Let's go to Isaiah 52 and 12. God is omnipresent. He is right here with us. Because the Bible said he would be right. Mm -hmm. So do you believe that report? Amen. So if you believe that report, just because you haven't got what you were believing him for in the first in the first half, does not mean he left you in the second half. Because he said he would what? Never leave us or forsake us. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me slow down. Amen. Isaiah 52, verse number 12. It says, for you shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear reward. Or actually, that means protect you from behind. And when it says he goes before you, he goes ahead of you. And he will be your, he will protect you from behind. Then Deuteronomy 4.39 says this, Therefore know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. God goes before you to lead you. He's behind you to have your back as your rear guard. And he's above you to 
to watch over you. In other words, he is omnipresent. He is all around you. He is a shield and a buckler. He is your high tower. He is a sword. Hallelujah. He encircles around you. Amen. He encamps in you and he encamps around you. He is omnipresent even, you don't, even when you don't have what you were believing him for yet. Hold tight to your faith. Amen. Now the prefix only originates in Latin and it means all. In other words, God is all around you. Thank you. Thank you. How do you know? How do you got to look at the trees? How the wind blows. Look at the birds, how they fly, how they sing. We got a bird that sits outside our house that sings hard. Hard. Before five sometimes. And sometimes at five he really starts singing. My alarm go off at 5.30. <laughs> but this bird wants to sing his song. Well, he can sing his song even though it gets on my nerves as long as he's singing it to God. Amen? <laughs> God's presence is continuous throughout all creation, though it might not be revealed in the same way at the same time to people everywhere. God reveals himself to me sometimes differently than he will reveal himself to you. But he can reveal himself to all of us at the same time differently. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> we can be sitting here together, but yet God can speak to us differently. But it all lines up if God's really speaking, because God will not take you off focus on him. Mm. At times, he may be actively present in a situation while he might reveal that he is present in another circumstance in some other area. Meaning that God can be in my situation, your situation, and he's still in somebody else's situation or down the street. That's different from all of our situations because he is God. And I know it's hard to wrap your head around it, that God can be both present to a person in a manifest manner and present in a situation in all creation at any given time. With God, it can be both either, it can, it can be both and and not either or. God is a both and. He can do both and. He don't have, now he, nowadays he don't do either or. That was in the Old Testament. Amen. But now God is, a, because of the Holy Spirit, he can do both and. He can be everywhere at the same time, dealing with us individually and corporately at the same time, or he won't get confused in none of Just blows me away. God's omnipresence blows me away. He can be here in Peoria, but at the same time, he's over somewhere in Africa. That's right. That's right. At the same time, he's over somewhere in Europe. At the same time, he's in Australia, in China, in Canada, in Alaska. In the cosmos. Amen. <laughs> He's the same God. Yes. 
Not a different one. The same God everywhere in all places at the same time. Blows me away. Yeah, I quit trying to figure him out in my mind. Because <laughs> I ain't got enough mind <laughs> to even try to figure it out. Because he's the one that gave me my mind anyway. And he knows that we couldn't figure it out, so he only gave us just a little bit. Just enough to see him. <laughs> we can seek after him. But he gave us enough that he can hide himself away if we don't. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is everywhere and in every now. God is everywhere, is in every is everywhere and in every now. There is no molecule or atomic particle so small that God cannot be fully present in it. Some molecules are so small that we can't see it with the naked eye. We have to use a microscope. But even though we have to use a microscope, we can't see it. God is in every molecule and particle. He is fully in there. Hallelujah. And the galaxy, as vast as it is, as large as it is, as far as we can know now in our human mind, he is there too. <laughs> so he is in the smallest thing and he is in the largest thing and everything else in between. God is naturally present in every aspect of the natural order of things and in every manner, time, and place. God is actively present in a different way in every event in history as a provident guide of human affairs. God is in a special way attentively present to those who call on his name. When you call on the name of the Lord, he gives special attention to you. That's why when Peter had got on the boat, he started to sink. He said, Lord, save me. What happened? The Lord saved him. Why? Because he called in the name of the Lord, and he received special attention. Yes, Even when you are going through sickness, disease, whatever the case may be, and you call on the name of the Lord, you call us. You call special attention from your God because you are a believer. Jesus Christ, Hallelujah. God is all knowing, all seeing, all wise, all powerful. He is God. So don't give up on God because he won't give up on you because he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think we cannot think God's given. We don't have enough imagination to outthink God's given. So don't lose your faith halfway through it. A delay 
is not a denial. It's there to teach you a thing. Teach you what? To trust in God. And while you're waiting in faith, what's going to happen? You need to follow God's guidance and direction, not lead. <clears throat> I want to say that one more time. You need to follow God's guidance and direction, not lead God. Amen. <laughs> A lot of us get in front of God. And then when we get in trouble, we expect God to hurry up and save us from a mess that we made. And sometimes he, now he will give you special attention, but sometimes he'll leave you hanging out there. <laughs> you know what? Because he's trying to teach you a lesson. <laughs> Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In the psalm, David tells us in verse 17 that the Lord upholds the righteous and that our inheritance as the righteous will never end. In verse 39 of Psalm 37, David tells us that the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. And in verse 5 of that same psalm, David tells us to commit our way to the Lord. This is a psalm that reminds us of God's faithfulness and it encourages us that we can trust him and that he is worthy of our trust. And if you want to go there, you can, but you don't have to. I'll just quote it to you. The steps of a good man, woman, or girl are what? Order. By whom? The Lord. The term order is a Hebrew word that can also mean guide, direct, or make reliable. In other words, your steps are made reliable by the Lord because he ordered them. What you are going through now did not catch God by surprise. Hallelujah. Whether it's good or bad, whether you like it or not, everything that you are going through did not, was not a shock to God. It did not catch him off guard. Because the steps of a good man are what? Now you might not like what you're going through. He didn't say nothing about you gotta like it. Besides, <laughs> I don't find that scripture. You kept screaming out, I don't know it. But I know the steps of a good man are worried by the Lord. And the Bible scripture goes on to say he delights in his way. Amen. Amen. In, in other words, the person who has committed his or her way to God will have their steps made sure by God. He will guard your steps and ensure that they are solid. I don't know about you, but it's encouraging to me is to know that even my small, seemingly inconsequential steps are not inconsequential to God. Those small steps, even being able to get up in the morning, which may seem small to us because we take it so for granted, but they are not inconsequential to God. In fact, he ordered that you're able to get up that morning so that you can roll out of that bed, still, whatever the case may be, with a backache or back pain, amen, 
and be able to stand on your two feet or drop down on, like Sam said, your rusty knees and give God praise. And even if you can't roll over, you open your eyes so that you can see another day. He ordered that step to happen. Amen. Because there's so many people that went to sleep last night that didn't get to take this inconsequential step that you take for granted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the one thing about this is, he not only orders it, he takes pleasure in God. Hallelujah. God enjoys ordering our steps. He enjoys guiding our steps. He enjoys making sure our small inconsequential steps are not inconsequential to him. The Bible says he knows the very hairs on your head, the sand on the beach, he knows everyone. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. So to receive his steps, his guidance and direction, you must be willing to do it his way. <laughs> the Lord Almighty is not a slot machine or a genie who grants wishes. But that's somehow sometimes that's always subconsciously thinking of as an emergency bed. There are many who live as their own bosses, but when faced with a tragedy or a heartache, they become temporarily interested in God. Temporarily. And a lot of, I'm not talking about nobody here, <laughs> but a lot of us make some good vows when we enjoy them. <laughs> Lord, I will not do that again if you just get me out of this. See, God already knows what you're thinking before you even thought it and even said it. Because he knows you're going to go back and do it that you said you wasn't going to do anyway. That's why the Bible tells us not to make a vow unless you're planning to keep that vow. Amen? Hallelujah. And then you need to know what his word says. And that is a simple saying. We say that over and over. You need to know God's word. How many times have I said it? Have People had Pastor Tracy, Minister Larice, Minister Paul, Minister Pearlene. Everybody say you need to know God's word. It sounds simple to you, and it sounds redundant, but the plain fact of the matter is you do need to know God's word. Amen. Hallelujah. Because why? There's already a lot of all the most all of the guidance that we need is already found in this word. I'm going to say something that's going to probably mess you up. There is no new revelation. There is only new illumination. <laughs> there is no new revelation, but there is new illumination. How? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will illuminate a word that you read over and over again in a different way. It's, it's the same revelation, but there's a new illumination. You know why? Because he meets you at your need and what you can handle. Because Jesus said before he left, I, I would have told you more things, I'm paraphrasing, but you can't handle it now. 
That has to come with maturity. Amen. Some things God can't reveal to us until we get spiritually matured. We can't handle, we have a hard time handling milk, let alone meat. Amen. Amen. You need to know what his word says. And you must be in continual fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Continual fellowship with the Holy Spirit. As we said last week, God not only speaks through his word, but also through confirmations of his spirit within us. And guess what? The Holy Spirit will not contradict the word. Amen. The Lord did not tell you to go after somebody else's wife. He didn't tell you to go after somebody else's husband. That is not the Lord. That is you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He didn't tell you to go steal from somebody because they have it and you don't. The Bible it still said in the top ten, thou shalt not steal. The Bible did not tell you to go murder somebody because you got mad at them because the same portion said, thou shalt not murder. Amen. God's spirit will never go against God's word. So you need to know the word so that the Holy Spirit can show you how to apply that word. Because if you get the wrong word, you may think it's God, but in actuality, it's not. And how can that word get to you when it's not God? Because you don't know this word. Let alone knowing God. And you can't know God without knowing this word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the last thing we gotta do is you need to just be patient. It's only six months. <laughs> God's timing is way different than our time. He is not bound by our calendar. In case you haven't noticed. <laughs> just because it's six months in and it seems like it's been a long time, that's nothing. I think the one the scripture says, was a day is like what, a thousand years? So we're only six months in. A thousand years is a day to God. So what does six months? I'm not that good with mathematician, but I know this. It's not a long time. <laughs> the problem is we have been culturally conditioned by a microwave drive-through mentality. We think we only have to put it in the mic. We only have to put our request in for a minute, and that the food will be hot. Well, sometimes that don't work because you have to put it back in the microwave sometimes to reheat that food because it's not hot enough. Amen? And then we have a, that drive-through mentality. If I go to the drive-through, I order it, it better be waiting at the window by the time I drive through. We have that drive-through microwave mentality. Amen? And when everything is going our way, patience is easy to demonstrate. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So if you want to know if you are in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, some fruit ought to show up. And one of those fruit, one of the parts of those fruit 
is what? Patience. Hallelujah. Amen. When everything is going our way, patience is so easy to demonstrate. <laughs> when everything seems to be going good, oh, I've been patient. Everything is well. I'm just waiting on the Lord. When everything is going well. But when hell and high water come, our patience runs. God, you better hurry up and get here. <laughs> no, I'm just telling you. <laughs> God, you got to hurry up. Don't you see? But <laughs> mm. see, the thing about patience is people think that it's a passive way or a general tolerance. But most of the Greek words translated patience in the New Testament active, New Testament is active and it's robust. Hebrews 12 1 says, therefore since we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, I have never been in a race when I was a kid because I don't run unless I chase Amen. <laughs> I've never been in a race when I was a kid or seen a race when I'm watching the Olympics where someone is running passively waiting for a slow post or a or gently tolerating cheers. When they are running their race, whoever the case may be, they are running trying to do what? Win the race. And they are running with vigor. And they are running with everything that they have to try and win. They are not patiently holding back. So that lane number six can catch up to them. <laughs> they are running hard. They are running toward the goal. They are pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. They are stressing. They are pressing. And when we are being patient, God wants us to be pressing toward him. Yeah. That's the goal, to get to him. Amen. Yeah. Amen. But I will tell you this. Patience does not happen overnight. <laughs> That's why you have to go around certain mountains a couple of times. <laughs> The reason why is because we're not going hard enough. Not because, and because you could be going too slow. Trying to wait till it drops on you. Amen. Could it be that God has you waiting because he is trying to develop the fruit of patience in your life? Hmm. Hmm. So I'm still believing him for certain things that I haven't got yet. Because he did give me some things. But he did not give me everything that I was believing him for yet. But while I am waiting, I am going to be patient, but I'm going to run with fervor. Hallelujah. I am going to know that he is omnipresent, and I am going to follow his guidance and his direction while I am waiting. 
Waiting does not mean doing nothing. Waiting means being expected that he's going to do what he said he was going to do because he confirms it in his word. Hallelujah. 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 So remember this. Keep your faith for the second half. Keep your faith in the second half. A delay is not a denial. A delay is actually a test of your faith. Hallelujah. And just like, just like earlier in the sacrifice, what is God going to say about your faith? More importantly, what is your faith saying about you? And what is your faith saying about God? Do you trust him or not? Do you believe him or not? Do you want him or not? Do you want what he has for you or not? It's not time to give up yet. Hallelujah. Because another scripture says you will reap if you faint not. And those who wait on the Lord shall do what they do their they say, run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. You need to keep your faith for the second half. Amen? And that starts with knowing Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you put faith in Him, then you've got access to the Father. Hallelujah. And if you don't know Jesus, you, get to, you need to know him today. Don't miss your opportunity to get hooked up or hooked back up on today. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet. Amen.